0: But, you know, we want to say, um, start out the day by just saying, hey, uh, from my family to yours, from our staff and our team here, we want to wish you a happy Thanksgiving going into this week, Um, because I know it's a week that we always look forward to. Um, It is, we can justify our minds to gain all the weight we want to gain, right? Yeah, so just take the next two months off. Just eat. Eat till your heart is content, right? but no, I want to start out this morning and really kind of setting the stage. We're going to be in 1 John chapter 5 again. We were supposed to end 1 John chapter 5, I think, three weeks ago. And God continued to move us in another direction. And, and so we're, we're not even going to finish today. Um, next Sunday, we will finish 1 John chapter 5. And um, just to go ahead and tell you, next week will probably be a rough one because we're going to be on one verse. Little children, guard yourselves from idols. That is the last verse of this chapter. And so that's where we'll be next Sunday. But we're going to be in chapter 5, verses 18 through 20, for the most part today. Now look, we are going to jump around a lot um, in the scriptures today, which is something that really makes me uncomfortable, because I love staying in one place, because my brain doesn't work that way bouncing, but it's the direction that God's led us, so we've got to be there. Um, So my heart has been today that I've been praying for you this week, that on on the mindset of thanksgiving that we as the believers will leave this place thankful for who we are in Christ. That is what we have to be thankful for, okay? Um, But to sort of paint the picture and set the stage for where we're going, my dad did something to me at the age of five years old that I'll never forget. He decided that it was a great idea to introduce me to roller coasters. Five years old, So he stuck me on the most terrifying roller coaster that was ever created. Took me to Six Flags to do it. And how many of you probably know the roller coaster I'm talking about? Because when I was five, I think it was the only roller coaster at Six Flags. The the logs lie. No, not the logs, Jared. That's the one I could handle, you (laughs) jerk. Nobody asked you, I'm asking them. What is the most terrifying roller coaster back when I was five? The scream machine, right? There's a reason, and I don't really understand why they call it the scream machine, because I couldn't scream. Because at five, when I came over that hill, I just went, oh, oh, and nothing would come out. Because every t- it took my breath, it took everything. And so at the early age of five, I got real spiritual and decided from that day forward, I was going to fast roller coasters, I'm just going to step away from them. I can be a lot more spiritual if I don't ride roller coasters. That's funny. Until I turned 18. I turned 18 years old. And so now we want to fast forward 13 years. Okay? Now, I was trying to get a date. Yeah, you all already know where this one's going. And this girl <laughs> particularly, I knew she loved country music. Okay? So of course, what do you do? You look for the best country concert in town. And man, listen to this, listen to this setup. Tim McGraw, Faith Hill, Diamond Rio, and Little Texas. It don't get any better. It don't get any better. So I found out where the concert was. It was at Six Flags. You guessed it. So now the Holy Spirit came over me and it was time for me to break my fast. Right, so now I am free to ride roller coasters once again. And man, I pretended to love those suckers. You wanna go to Six Flags? Yes, I love roller coasters. I ain't been on one since I was five, but I love those. I'm sure they're fun. They are a lot of fun. And now look, I was excited for about the first two. Then dizziness set in, nausea set in, motion sickness set in, Vomiting set in, and so it was all south from there. But you know, what I realized, thinking back on that today, and I know that's kind of funny, but I realized two things looking back at when I was 18 years old. Number one, at 18 years old, you will do anything to impress a girl. Anything. Love roller coasters. But the second thing I thought about was I trusted in something that I knew nothing about, and what I mean by that is I got on this roller coaster ride. They sat me in this seat and they harnessed me in and told me to have fun and just hang on. I didn't know anything about what I was getting myself into, but you know what are you supposed to do on roller coasters? You know I hadn't been on one since I was five, but I watched TV. So as soon as we went over the first hill, we gonna thart y'all. See that? That was almost ugly. Kaylin, you can snort now. (laughs) Yeah, I will. (laughs) She was about to. That's where she was going when she gets laughing. Anyway, sorry. Sorry, Kaylin. Chelsea, you can kick my butt for her when we leave. But I realized that I was trusting something that I knew nothing about. I had surrendered to a seat and they just strapped me in. Now, look, I could have done what I probably wanted to do and just observed roller coasters the whole day. But I had this idea that I wanted to experience it, that I wanted to see what it was about. Now, the truth is, I did survive. Those, the harness held me in, and I'm here today to live to tell you about it, okay? But I still hate roller coasters. And so, as you can guess, we are going to be talking about BB's chair. If you weren't here last week, I would encourage you to go back and watch last week. Um, as he used this, this chair to help us better understand what John was trying to, to make us better understand and be assured of our salvation. But we're gonna be today looking and bookending First John chapter five. So I want you to go ahead and turn there if you haven't already. Go to 1 John chapter five and we're gonna look at verses 18 through 20 to begin with. But like I said, be ready to flip because we're gonna be flipping a, a lot of places this morning. But I want you to read with me um, in verses 18 through 20. John writes, he says, We know that no one who is born of God sins, but he who was born of God keeps him, and the evil one does not touch him. I want you to underline that. I want you to highlight that, that the evil one does not touch them. Verse 19. We know that we are of God and that the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. And we know that the son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true and we are in him who is true in his son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. Now, we hear a word that that B.B. talked a lot about last week. We hear it again, and it's the word know. You see, John's desire is for the believer, for the church to know and be secure and be confident in our salvation through Jesus Christ. The reason he wants us to know is because he knows. He's experienced what it's like to know. You know, I hope that you left here last Sunday, maybe you've been wrestling or doubting your salvation, and I pray, we prayed for you that when you left here last week, that you were assured of your salvation. Because when we're sure of our salvation, there's freedom, there's joy, there's peace. And that is exactly where John is wanting us to be. He wants us to live in that peace. He wants us to live in that joy. And so we trusted that you left here last week knowing that. And man, what a way to go into a Thanksgiving week than knowing that we're saved by the grace of God. Because it may look like everything around us is caving in. It may look like everything around us is falling apart. But the reality is for us who are in Christ, there's nothing changing. Our eternity is set. And so we leave secured knowing that our eternity is set in him. But, you know, the the idea behind why we want us to leave here being thankful is because when we leave here thankful, the more thankful we are, the more we talk about it. The more we talk about being thankful, the more we talk about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, the more we talk about our salvation. And this is why we do what we talk about, saturating the world with the good news. It's not saturating the world with the name of Chestnut Mountain Church, but it's to saturate the world with the name of Jesus Christ because that's where freedom comes from. So we looked at last week knowing and be assured of our salvation and and we will talk about that some this week, but there's two more things that John wants us to know in verses 19 and 20. Now look, I know my, my history kind of precedes myself, I was a PE teacher, but you're really about to find out how intelligent I am. Okay, because I'm about to give you some literature, some language arts. That's what we called it back when I was in school. Can't wait. What'd you say? Can't wait, man. You are somebody security. But verse 19 is what you know. What us scholars would consider a compound sentence. Two ideas. Put together with a conjunction. Don't I sound very smart? Y'all at least entertain me to make me feel that way. Okay, I had a whistle around my necks and I wore gym shorts and a t-shirt as a teacher. I was in the gym. And Chelsea's whistling at me now. Whew. Man, I am thankful. However, but the picture that John is painting is there's two things in verse 19 that he wants us to know. So if you look at the very beginning, he says, we know. And so what we're gonna do is attach that we know to the second part of verse 19. He says, we know that the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. We know that the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. One thing that we have to know before we move any further is that what John is speaking of here, that in the current state of of this writing and even in the current state of our world right now, this world lies in the power of the evil one. However, that's not always been the case. Flip to the book of Genesis. Flip to Genesis chapter one. Genesis chapter 1, and we're going to read verses 26 through 28, and then we're going to look at something in in chapter 2 as well. But in verses 26 through 28 in Genesis chapter 1, we read, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over the cattle over all of the earth. And over every creeping thing that creeps on earth, God created man in his own image. And in the image, God, he created him, male and female, he created them. God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. Subdue it means take control, rule over. So I am giving you this creation and you are to rule over the earth because you are created in my image and therefore we are in perfect harmony. So everything you see is yours because that is the way I have created it. But he said, subdue it and rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So what we see in this account of creation is God created man and woman to be in perfect harmony with him. Sinless, without blame, in perfect harmony. They were one. But then if you look over in chapter two, flip to chapter two, verses 15 through 16. Then the Lord God took the man and he put him into the garden of Eden to cultivate it and to keep it. The Lord God commanded the man saying, "From any tree of this garden you may freely, from any tree of this garden you may eat freely, but from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat from it you will surely die." Now remember, what we just read in chapter 1 is that the two were created to live for eternity with him. But now God has commanded them to not eat of this tree. And if you eat of this tree, you will surely die. And so we know how this story plays out. If you've you've been in church for any amount of time, you know what takes place, the fall of mankind. Adam and Eve were tempted by the certain. They were tempted by the evil one. And in the moment of their choice, they chose the evil one over God Almighty. And in the moment of their choosing, in the moment of their deciding that we're gonna choose the evil one over the holy one, that relationship was forever severed and therefore now the curse of death was given to mankind. So now there has to be a price paid for that severing of that relationship. And he said, because of you choosing the evil one over the holy one, this relationship has been destroyed. This this relationship has been severed. And God says, you know what? You want it your way, you can have it. You want it your way, you can have it. And that is where we find ourselves now in that same current state that this world still lies in the power of the evil but it all goes back to Genesis chapter two. It all goes back to when man chose the deceiver, chose the evil one over God Almighty. And so now when we think about our physical birth, we think about when when your mother gave birth to you. When you were born into this world, you were born into a world that is sinful. You were born into a world that is ruled by evil. And in the state of your being birthed, in the moment of your birth, there has to be a price paid for your sin because you're gonna sin. For the word of God tells us that for all have sinned and fell short of the glory of God. That leaves no one out. And so there is gonna be a penalty that must be paid for your sin. And so we have to pay that price of death unless we trust what the Father did. The love of the Father saw the state and the condition of this world that was lost, of this world that was severed from him And the love of the father prompted him to send his son to pay that price of death that I was supposed to pay, that you were supposed to pay in the moment of your birthing. Because we were going to sin and because of that sin, the penalty of death must be paid. And God in his love, God in his compassion for you, he sent his only son to pay the price that you owed. He sent his only son to pay the price that I owed But the question is, have you placed your faith in that sacrifice? Have you placed your faith in that gift that B.B. talked about last week? Have you sat down in this chair of faith and said, God, I am fully trusting that you sending your son was enough to pay the price of my sin? Have you sat here? Have you rested in the finished work of the cross? Because the Bible is very clear, you don't have to turn there, but in Romans chapter nine, we read that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. The question is, Have you confessed with your mouth? Do you believe in your heart that Jesus Christ paid the price that was yours to pay? It's a yes or no question. And if the answer is yes, look back at 1 John chapter 5. And we're going to take the first part of that verse. Verse if you have trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you have sat in the chair of faith, fully resting in the finished work of the cross, then we can declare what verse 19 says in the very beginning, we know that we are of God. Nothing that you've done, nothing that I have done, but we have simply trusted in the finished work of what he has already done. And we have confidence in knowing that what he did was enough. And we know because of this, we are of God. Not because we have stopped sinning. Not because we have overcome some addiction. Not because we have solved all of our problems. But simply because we are saying, God, I can't do it. So the only choice I have is to sit and trust you. That's it. This is salvation. But you've either trusted it or you haven't. You've either trusted it or you haven't. You know, our prayer was last week is that you would leave here assured of your salvation. But you know what I also prayed last week? I prayed that people would leave here unsure about it. Because when we're unsure, when we don't know we're saved, then guess what? God can fix all that. And I am so thankful that a young lady came up after the first service last week and the Holy Spirit of God revealed to her that she was not saved by the grace of God. But guess what? She left here knowing. She left here assured of her salvation because she placed her faith in Jesus Christ. So the question is, are you resting and trusting that he's paid your price? Or when you die, are you gonna be held accountable to pay your own price? But the sad part of that is you can't pay your price. If you've never placed your faith in Jesus Christ and this life ends, you will be forever separated from God. You'll be forever living In torment separated from the one who loved you enough to send his son to pay the price. Now, I know a lot of you are thinking, man, what a Thanksgiving message this is. Jeez Louise, this is the most depressing thing I've ever heard. But guess what? You got to get lost before you can get found. You got to hear the bad news before we can celebrate the good news. So the the good news is coming. Look at verse 20. Verse 20, John continues to write, and he says, and we know that the Son of God has come, and he has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true. We're gonna stop right there because the context of what John is writing about, he is physically talking about Jesus coming and talking about this good news. See, Jesus was physically on this earth telling people that He was God, that He, this is salvation. I'm going to be sacrificing my life for you. He's sharing with them this good news. He is physically doing it. He's revealing truth so that those who lie in the power of the evil one can have their eyes opened to salvation that comes through this Savior. He is preaching and teaching and healing but we know in Acts chapter one that that the Son of God ascends back up to heaven, but the reality is he leaves the Holy Spirit in his place. He leaves the Holy Spirit in his place to do exactly what Jesus was doing. Because you see, while Jesus is fully God, Jesus is fully man. So we know that the sharing of this story, this sharing of the gospel, it was limited to the physical body of Jesus. It was only being shared where he was. But thank you for the Holy Spirit that the same Holy Spirit that is meeting with us right now in this room is meeting all over this country, is meeting all over the world. And if Jesus was limited to his physical body, that wouldn't be the case. So we need to be thankful for the Holy Spirit. We need to be thankful that Jesus ascending back up to heaven basically broadened his ministry because the Holy Spirit is everywhere. And Jesus speaks to this. In the Gospel of John, I want you to turn there. In the Gospel of John, Jesus talks about this spirit. In John chapter 16, Verses seven and eight, or seven through nine. These are the words of Jesus. And Jesus says, but I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper does not come to you, meaning that of the Holy Spirit. But if I go, I will send him to you. And he, when he comes, will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment concerning sin because they do not believe in me. If you've been saved by the grace of God this morning, let me assure you the only way that you were saved by the grace of God is as a result of the power of the Holy Spirit. It is not something that you just decided to do. It takes the drawing of the Holy Spirit to bring you to salvation. And I don't know about you, but I am so thankful how miserable the Holy Spirit makes us. I remember in River Bend Baptist Church as a 12-year-old boy, when the Holy Spirit of God came on me and I realized that, yes, I lived in the world of, of one that lies in a world of evil. But in that moment, I realized that I was a part of that. And that outside of my salvation through Jesus Christ, then salvation was not mine. And at Riverbend Baptist Church, the Holy Spirit of God got my heart and he drew me to himself to a point where I was absolutely miserable. I was scared to death. My palms were sweating. I didn't know what to do. My heart was pounding out of my chest. And so guess what I did? I went home and did nothing about it. But guess what? the Holy Spirit of God kept me up all night as a 12-year-old boy. Went back to church the next night thinking, ah, oh, that's just been something I ate or something. I am so thankful that the Holy Spirit of God came on me and made me absolutely miserable to the point. I remember praying, God, I know that I am in need of a savior, but God, I don't have the courage to move. God, I don't know what this looks like. God, I don't know what this is about. And I said, God, if you want me to be saved, you're gonna let somebody near me get up and go down. Guess what happened? My best friend stood up and went to the altar. And I said, okay, God, I get it. Now, look, I'm not, now don't this morning, if God's knocking on your heart door and say, oh God, please let this person to the right of me go down. That's just how God worked in me that day, okay? That's my personal testimony, that's not yours. But I went down front broken before God and you would think I had this script of this absolutely beautiful prayer to pray. But I remember as a 12-year-old boy, I got on the front pew and I said, God, save me. So all I knew to pray. But that again is the beauty of the Holy Spirit because guess what? I didn't have to know what to pray because the Holy Spirit intercedes on my behalf. Almighty God saw the state of my heart. He knew the condition of my heart and the Holy Spirit says, I got it from here. So I am so thankful for the Holy Spirit of God that he drew me to himself. He opened my eyes. If the Holy Spirit has drawn you to himself, you've surrendered to that. Man, let me assure you, you are redeemed, you are restored, and you are reconciled back to God. The original way that he created, and in Genesis chapter one, you are one with the almighty God because of the finished work of what he did for us. Not anything that you've done, but it's all because of him. But you see, this revelation doesn't produce just religion. This revelation produces relationship. And then we read about that in the very first part of verse 20 when he talks about us being in him. Look at the the second part. Second part of verse 20 in 1 John 5, he says, we are in him who is true. In his son, Jesus Christ, This is the true God and eternal life. So believer, if you have sat in this chair of faith and you have fully rested in him, what you need to be thankful for today is that your eternity is set. You are sealed till the day of redemption. You are held in the palm of the almighty God's hand and there is nothing that this evil one that is ruling over this earth can do to change that. Now, we just sang about death was arrested and there were some excited people in the room because we're singing that our death has been arrested. The price has been paid and so while it is so easy in this room and when we're with our church family, we, we get emotional, we get excited and we look around the room and everybody's praising, everybody's worshiping and we celebrate that. But let me tell you right now, when you walk out of those doors to go home, the evil one is still ruling over this world and he wants to steal the joy of your salvation that you were just celebrating some 30 minutes ago. Because if he can steal the joy of your salvation, guess what happens? We become less thankful because we become unsure. We become beat up. And so therefore, when we're uncertain, when we're down in the dumps, when we feel like we're beat up, we don't talk about Jesus. Because the enemy's attacks can take us to that place where we question his goodness. We question, is God really good? And so what the enemy's goal is, is to rob us of that joy that is, our, that is our salvation. And if he can do that, we don't celebrate. And when we don't celebrate, we don't tell others about the truth. So I'll go ahead and warn you. I'd love to tell you that, man, if you get your worship on in here, that when you go home, it's going to be very easy to keep that worship going. But it's not. It's not. It's not, because you're stepping back into a world that is ruled by the evil one. He's going to attack your home. He's going to attack your workplace. He's going to attack your kids. He's going to tempt you, whether it be sexually, whether it be to covet, or He just simply wants you to worry. He wants you to be overwhelmed with anxiety and fear. How many of us have worried in the last eight months? If you don't raise your hand, you're lying through your teeth. We've all worried. And the reason that we worry is because we don't know how this whole thing's going to turn out. But guess what? If we're secure in Jesus Christ, I don't really care how this thing's going to turn out because my eternity is set. I am sealed till the day of redemption. And that is where my focus needs to be. That is where my hands need to be raised. Because when we're overwhelmed with worry, we're basically, that's when we start questioning God. God, are you really good? God, if this whole thing would turn out the way I think it should, man, this world would be a lot easier. It'd go a lot smoother. Well, guess what? You're not in charge. You're not in charge of this world. The evil one is. You know, but then the Holy Spirit led me to something this week that has just absolutely threw me for a loop, if you would, because... It's a prayer that I want to read to you. And this prayer is from the lips of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He was praying on behalf of the disciples. But with everything in me, I don't believe Jesus' prayer life has changed very much what I mean by that is, if you've been saved by the grace of God, I want you to listen to this prayer that I'm about to read. And take in mind that this is what Jesus is praying over you. Now remember, Jesus is the Savior of the world. He's the King of all kings and the Lord of all lords, but... In John chapter 17, verses 13 through 16. I don't know if maybe you wanna close your eyes. I don't know if you just wanna read it in the scripture that you've got in front of you or if you wanna see it on the screen. But just imagine the savior of the world falling into the presence of his heavenly father and he begins to pray. And he says, as he has a conversation with his father, he says, but now I come to you and these things I speak in the world so that they may have my joy made full in themselves. God, I've given them your word and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of this world, but keep them from the evil one. They are not of this world, even as I am not of this world. Sanctify them in truth your word is truth. And as you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself that they themselves also may be sanctified in the truth. Do you hear what Jesus just prayed? He said, Father, I'm not asking that you make everything better. Father, I'm not asking that you take them out of this world. But Father, what I'm asking is that you would keep them safe. God, I ask you that you would just hold on to your children. see church we're in this world but we're not of it we are in this world we are in a mess we are in a pickle we are in a disaster but guess what we are not of it and the one over it can't Touch us. Did y'all hear that? The one over it can't touch us. And so I want to remind you, while yet it's so easy to get our worship on in this room, church, we are in a war. And it is time that we buckle up our chin straps and we fight the way God has called us to fight. It is time that the church stands up. It is time that the church gets louder because we are enemies in a foreign land. We as a Christian, we as a follower of Christ, we are not welcomed here. And the enemy, the one who lies in power of this world, he's going to throw everything he can at you to rob and steal the joy of your salvation. And I know right now there's some of you in here, you're saying, Brian, not only is he throwing everything at me, but everything he throws at me is hitting me. Everything in my life has fallen apart. I've lost jobs, I've lost loved ones, I've lost family members, I've lost relationships, I've lost everything I had, but the joy of the Lord you have not lost because your eternity is set in place. So it doesn't matter what happens here. Yes, it's hard. Yes, it's difficult, but the joy of your salvation, you cannot be touched. You cannot be be touched. You say, well, Brian, okay, I get it. That all sounds good. But how do I fight this? How do I fight in the midst of this battle? I want to tell you right now, you take the truth of God's Word, you hide it in your heart, and you declare it to the enemy. This is the one thing the enemy doesn't stand a chance against. And here's what I want you to remind him of. What verse 18 says, when the enemy throws everything at you and you leave here today, you look at the enemy square in the face. You look at him square in the eyes and you tell him this, if I can find it. <laughs> verse 18, I am born of God and he keeps me. And the evil one, you, Satan, cannot touch me. So when your life feels like it's falling apart, when you feel like everything is unraveling, you say, I am a child of God. I am a child of the King. And there's nothing you can do to change that. There's nothing you can do to take that from me. And so what we need to do today, this is how we fight our battle. We fight our battle the same way I got on the scream machine. You crawl up into this chair of faith and you rest in the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ and you take this world's circumstances and just like at Six Flags, they harnessed me in and I held on for dear life and I raised my hands and I said, I don't even know it's around the next curve, but I'm trusting in this harness. So as a believer today, You crawl up into the Father's lap and you let the Holy Spirit of God strap you in. You raise your hands to God and you say, I don't know what's coming, but this is how I'm gonna fight my battle. I'm going to fight my battle with my hands raised. I'm going to fight my battle. I don't know how this is going to turn out, but guess what? My eternity is secure in Jesus Christ, and there's nothing the enemy can do to touch that. So I'm going to fight my battles on my knees. I'm going to fight my battles with my hands raised before God Almighty. So church, are we going to fight?